Hey everybody, welcome to the Mary and Tom Show. I'm Tom. I'm Mary. This is our show. This is our second show in a row. Yep. You know, it's... it's we. Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. Well, we advertise it as a weekly-ish podcast, and at the beginning it was more weekly, and then it became more like bi-weekly, and then tri-weekly. And really it just depends on what we had to talk about. Because if we don't have much to talk about other than, hey, we're still working on some games... A lot of times, it's we're so busy, the next thing we know, it's Wednesday, and it's like, did we do a podcast? Well, there's that, too. We're like, let's let's try to do two two in a row. We'll see how that goes. And and so we're doing it. I mean, this is us. If you're listening to this, then we must have done it. If you're not listening to this, then something happened, and we decided not to post it up there. But Yeah. I don't know. Claus, you okay, sweetheart? Come on in here. Come on. So, as we mentioned last week, we released The Lost Provinces. That's a Hex Encounter game from John Kurkowski. And it's actually doing pretty well. It's doing, I think, maybe better than we were expecting. I don't know. What were we expecting? I don't know. I'm not sure what we were expecting. You know, we never know when a game's going to... It's a traditional Hex Encounter game. And it's uh, on the Franco-Thai War, which... Are there any other games on that particular subject? I mean, that's true. I think it's the only one. And so, you know, it's, it's an obscure topic and it, it does attract people. But, you know, generally with the traditional Hex Encounter games, I'm not going to say they don't do well, because I think they do well. But, or, you know, we wouldn't be doing them necessarily otherwise. Uh, but they don't do as well as some of our more unusual stuff. To the point where I was kind of surprised by how strong the sales have been. I, I think you were a lot more surprised than me. Well, I think because when we started the company, you know, I figured, you know, the Hex Encounter games would be our bread and butter. And then I'd get to do my weird little games, unusual stuff that wasn't going to do well. But that's okay because it would, you know, pay for itself, make a small profit, and would be able to make, you know, quote-unquote real money with the Hex Encounter stuff. And really the inverse has, has largely been true. Our weird niche stuff has sold a lot better than traditional Hex Encounter stuff, even with my own games. But the thing you're overlooking is that the Hex Encounter, the traditional Hex Encounter games have been doing well. The other games have been doing much better I mean, in comparison. Oh, yeah, uh, no. I. But the, the Hex Encounter games are doing fine. Or the traditional Hex Encounter games are doing fine. They're doing quite well. It's the other stuff that's doing so much better. Well, yeah, so, no, I'm not. I'm not saying. So in comparison, yeah, but it they're doing quite well. And the thing with this game is that it's it's on an undergamed uh, subject. It's doing better than usual for the Hex Encounter games. I guess is what I'm saying. I'm I'm really happy about that because I really like the game. If we didn't like the stuff. We wouldn't have bought it out. Yeah, uh, you 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 get very excited about a lot of these games. I mean, you're super excited about them. I mean, I get excited about, about all of them. I mean, you listen to the previous episodes of the podcast. Pretty much every time we release a new game, like we're really excited about this. I'm really excited about this yeah. game. I like it a lot. Well, I do. So I wonder how much of it is just the topic. How much is uh, John's reputation as a designer? Because I think he's a, he's a well-regarded designer. I worked with him before playing 1919. That was a bigger game. Mm -hmm. uh, it was longer, and the counter density was kind of intense for some people. And I wonder how much of it is just our reputation as a publisher, which has has grown since you know a year ago or whatnot. 
I mean, I think we talked about this before, you and me, not on the podcast, but there are some games that if we release them now, I think they do significantly better than they did when we released them, you know, a year, year and a half ago, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think just people are more aware of us, and they don't tend, unless something has a lot of buzz around it, unless it has kind of that long tail thing going on, uh, the way, say, supply lines does, or traffic does, or table battles. People don't tend to go back in moss and, and grab an older game that didn't get that buzz around it. Mm-hmm. So in a way, we have that kind of window that when we release it, that's when we're going to do some strong sales. And if people latch onto it, then we'll continue to do strong sales. And if not, then, you know, that was our window, basically. For some games. For not. Some... Yeah, but we, we have upticks. Like um, Operation Unthinkable right now, there have been several new sales. If somebody has a podcast or they've written a blog post that excites people, then the next thing you know, we've got an uptick in sales for a game that hasn't sold that many in a few days in a while. They'll sell steadily, but not not where you have a grouping in, in a week or, you know, in a, two or three days. And and there are times when um, we get, where we get an uptick in sales for something, we have no idea. I don't see anything, any reviews online, I don't see people talking about it online, it just, it yeah. just happened. Uh, yeah, that happens too. I, I'll try and find something and I'll ask you if you've seen anything. Have, did you see any videos or blog posts or anything on Twitter or Facebook with people saying something about the game and it just... People just decided they were going to buy it, and the next thing you know, we've got a whole bunch of copies of that one particular game in in a day or two going out the door. Now, there are things that do tend to drive the sales uh, for our older games. When we release a new game in a series, we tend to get some sales from older games in the series, and that's one of the appeals of doing series games, you know? Um... And then, of course, when we have, like, the Christmas sale, we sell a bunch of games. Yeah. You know, not everyone sells equally, but we do get some people like, well, I want to... If I'm getting these three, I should get one more. You know, and that's part of the strategy of us having a large catalog is that, you know, if someone's going to get three games, they might as well get four, and what game will fill up the cart? And there are some games that are kind of our main attraction games for people. And there are some games that are fill-up-the-cart games, and they're still good, valid games. Uh, and, you know, for us, a sale is a sale, and for our designers, a sale is a sale. So, uh... Yeah, because they still get the same royalty, yeah. whether the game is on a reduced price or not. Yep. So, so that, they're happy. They're happy. We're And you're very happy. Especially yeah. when you sell your own games. Um... <laughs> well, let's let's say this... I was not expecting to be kind of uh, a driver of sales for our stuff when we started out, and certainly uh, the first few of my games that came out from us, I mean, some of them, they did pretty well, but none of them were like kind of the huge bestseller or a flagship title necessarily. I didn't expect them to be. And then uh, Supply Lines, I think, is what changed that. It seems like there's a lot more attention on my stuff, and my stuff is selling better. So there's more pressure on me to make more stuff, uh, which 
I, I do better with some days than others. We'll say that. Didn't Agricola do quite well though? Agricola did. Agricola did pretty well. Yeah, it did. Because I, I I remember it flying off the shelves. Well, okay. there aren't actual shelves. Let's clarify that I am not looking at hard sales figures right now. I'm talking about more my 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 impression, my feeling. Like in that sense, Agricola felt like a fluke, or like, hey, I should do more solo games. Like a solo game sells. It's not particularly a Tom Russell game that's selling. You know what I mean? I, I, I tend to say, well, that's because it was a solo game, not because it was something that I had done. And solo games have done quite well for us. Uh, the two I did, and also the one uh, Robert Dulesky did, Wars Marks Aurelius, I mean, that sold really well. And um, I'm it's assuming... Still selling well. Yeah, I'm assuming... All three NATO, of them are selling well. Yeah, I'm assuming NATO Air Commander from Brad Smith is going to sell well. Um, and every other solo game we have down the line is going to sell well. So it really took kind of supply lines and table battles, I think, combined to really kind of convince me that people were actually interested in, in my games in particular. And uh, that's been very encouraging. That's what encouraged me to kind of make weirder games and, and you know, follow that muse, as it were. Well, you know, if you start putting dinosaurs in, people will definitely uh None of wanna... the dinosaur episode, yes. Mary. Oh man! Well, speaking You're of dinosaurs, in that I love dinosaurs. Yes, speaking speaking of dinosaurs, we actually had uh, the fellow who did the vassal for Grunwald Swords. Uh, yes, did did a modified vassal mod. It's really cute. Called Dinosaur Grunwald, and he just replaced everything with dinosaurs. I don't know if he put it up yet, like online for people to download. Like I'm perfectly fine with him doing that. Uh, you, you were very pleased with that. Yes. The cover has claw marks. It does. Yes. Yes. That was... It's, it's, really, it's really cute. Uh, I, I really liked it. And it's great that we have fans who put in that kind of time and effort to do something silly like that for us. And the people do stuff that's not necessarily silly, that's more substantial. Like, um... Mike Fogus with his uh, Hallspiel library on BGG where he has like recommended reading and has a list of all our games and it's like that's a lot of effort man I mean we really appreciate that and people doing the Vassal mods we really appreciate that I mean it's we're really kind of uh, blessed I think um, to have that kind of fan base and we're very appreciative of it very much so so the other bit of news from last episode was that we started taking orders for upgrade kits for Agricola, Optimize at Populares, and Infamous Traffic. They're, they're the, the map boards for Agricola and Oppop. And the ledgers for Infamous Traffic, not the map. Not the map? Not the map. Not the map. Just the ledgers. Just the ledgers. And that will be ending on July 31st, which, which is tomorrow. Yeah. If you listen to this on Monday. If you listen to this on Tuesday, it's the last day. Any day beyond that, though, you, you've kind of missed out. Uh, people ask why we're only doing it for a limited time, and it's just us experimenting. And it's also just trying to make something that's a little special. And we're going to be doing that uh, again sometime, probably before the end of this year, I think. Our printing partner, Blue Panther, is working on canvas maps for some of our games. We're still doing some durability tests on that. Uh, once we're certain that it is going to be durable and it's going to be legible, because that, that is a problem with canvas maps. We don't want to have 
some special deluxe upgrade, and it, it's not cheap. Don't get me wrong. This is not this is not a cheap upgrade. Uh, but people who want it, it's, it's there. If you want to have a canvas map for Charlemagne or supply lines, it'll traffic. It will be there. It's we, we want to make sure it's going to hold up. Yeah. You're putting that kind of money down, we want something that's going to last. And uh, I think that's it for today. Bye.